0: Today we are, Lord willing, going to finish the book of Jude. We are at the end, the last two verses of Jude. Someone asked me this week, why did you choose to preach from the book of Jude? And uh, really just to get to these last two verses. (laughs) Because it's an awesome doxology of praise to God. And... As we lift up, as the Lord is lifted up and and, and exalted uh, before us, we too are lifted up as we join in the chorus of praise. So as we read these words, let this doxology be uh, your praise to God as well from the heart. So let's hear God's word beginning in verse 24 of the book of Jude, one chapter, of course. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now now, And forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to the closing words of praise in this book of Jude, we thank you, Lord, that you are so great and also so gracious to us. Lord, may we understand what these words mean. And what they mean for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are at the conclusion of the small book of Jude. And he ends his book with an ascription of praise and of glory to God. And and this, like other doxologies, we find many uh, in the writings of Paul, uh, may have been sung in the early Christian church. But all that Jude has given so far, uh, all the truths of uh, inspired scripture, uh, some hard truths to be sure, and yet in the end, all the people of God, as as we reflect on what God teaches us about himself and about ourselves and about the world and so on, we cannot help uh, but that leading to us magnifying the Lord. And so we end on a positive note, on a high note. Uh, and, and Jude has, just by way of review, he has given us a thorough critique of false teachers that had secretly crept into the church. And he warned us through his word. He taught us how to discern these ungodly teachers and how to deal with them. And more importantly, he has shown us how God will deal with them. Another reason why I chose the book of Jude is is because it tells us that wicked men are going to get their due. They're going to get justice in the end. And we see that. They will not evil will not triumph. God will. And so Jesus Jude says, is coming back to execute judgment on them all. And for them, God says he is reserved blackness of darkness forever. That's what they deserve and that's what they will get unless they repent of their sins. Well, Jude has urged us on our part to contend earnestly for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. He taught us to build up ourselves in our most holy faith. And to keep ourselves in the love of God, but there are times, certainly, when we struggle to to keep our faith strong and to keep ourselves in the love of God. There, uh, you know, Jude told us, "Have mercy on those who doubt," but sometimes we're the ones who have doubts. Octavius Winslow, who wrote. Uh, Morning and Evening Thoughts, a a, a wonderful devotional that you can access today. And in his morning thoughts, he says, What is the great evil of which true saints of God stand, most stand in jeopardy, and which their timid, fearful hearts most dread? Is it not backsliding from God in our hearts after conversion? Isn't that the thing we dread, he said. Surely it is, as the experience of every honest, upright, God-fearing man will testify. It is his consolation, then, to know that Jesus is able to keep him from falling. So in this doxology, we, we want to take our eyes off of our worries, our fears, our doubtings, our weakness, and to put our eyes on the Lord Jesus, to look away from ourselves, To fix our gaze upon our great God. God, To God our Savior, as as Jude put it. To the one we call the keeper of our souls. How does God keep our souls? How does He keep us from stumbling? How does He keep us from falling? First of all, from verse 24, it is through God's power. Now to Him who is able... That one little word, able, if we get hold of that word, uh, it, it, it takes care of the rest. God, our God, is able. And the word communicates the idea of something that is strong and powerful, someone who has the ability uh, not only to say they're going to do something, but to do it. Right? We often say, I'm going to do such and such, but we often don't have the strength or power, or wisdom to do it. Well, God lacks none of those things, and what he says he will do, he is able. He is able to keep you from falling. He created the world. He keeps the world uh, by his providence. He upholds it. If he keeps the world from falling apart and falling out of its orbit, he will keep you uh, and keep you from falling who is this God? Well, he is described somewhat here in this, these last two verses, but he is the one true and living God. We know that. Uh, he is the one true and living God who is eternally, who eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you and I are being kept by the power of the triune God. We're secure. We're protected by that power. So first of all, think of this. It is God the Father who keeps us. Uh, the, the eternal purpose, the, the love, and the grace of the Father uh, keep us. keeps us. Ephesians says that the Father chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him. Now, if God the Father chose us to be holy and without blame... Then he will keep us and make it it so. Um, God the Son keeps us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Jesus keeps his sheep. He keeps us by his perfect obedience, by his atoning death on the cross. He is a good shepherd and he will not lose a single sheep that the father has given to him. God, the Holy Spirit also keeps us. He too is almighty God and he dwells within the heart of every true child of God. He is omnipotent just as the father and the son are omnipotent and he is able to keep you from falling. He is faithful to keep you from falling. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it or be able to bear it. So we are kept by the power of the eternal Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no greater power. Um, and so our part is to trust in his power. John... The Apostle John said, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, The one in the world is Satan. And Satan, you see, cannot make you fall if God keeps you from falling. Uh, His power is greater. And and that power, again, is in you by the Holy Spirit. So we are kept from stumbling, uh, Jude says, uh, first of all. And then we're presented faultless. And I think these are... Two things uh, that, first of all, we're kept from daily stumbling and sin. We're also kept from finally falling away. Uh, but you ask, are we really kept by God from stumbling? I've read the book of James. And you know, James says, for we all stumble in many ways. And he's talking to Christians. And that's true. We all stumble. That is what we do. But God uh, is different. Left to ourselves, we would do nothing but stumble. Winslow, in that same devotional, says Dear believer, truly you would fall were he to leave you to your own keeping for one moment. But Jesus is able to keep you from falling. We are prone to stumble. We do stumble and fall in many ways, but God is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, either this is true or it's not. Let me ask you a question. Is God able to keep you from sinning for the next five seconds? Yeah. Is he able to keep you from sinning for five minutes? All right, you know where this is going, right? (laughs) Um, Is there some period of time to where, well, that's too long no, after, after 24 hours, it's impossible for God to keep you from sinning. No, if we said that, it would be to limit God's power. Now you say, well, I guess he's teaching the heresy of perfectionism. No, I'm, I'm not teaching that. Uh, I'm not saying that anyone in this life can ever get to a place where they don't sin anymore. Because what James said is true. We all stumble and fall in many ways. That's what we, that's what we do we're not looking at ourselves right now. We're looking at God who has promised and who is able to keep us from stumbling. The Bible, uh, uh, you know, tells us that. And and the Bible says that nothing is too hard for the Lord. You know, he has not promised that we can live in a world without ever sinning. That's not what he's saying here. but he has promised to keep us from stumbling. So if I stumble, then what does it say? Is it saying, well, I guess God couldn't keep me? No, it's not saying that at all. Uh, It's saying that in that instance, when I sin, when I do stumble, I think there are probably a number of factors involved, but at least two things. First of all, I know that in any temptation, God is able to keep me from falling. So if I stumble, if I fall, it's got to be my fault. For, one or two re- for, for at least one of two reasons. First of all, that I did not trust in his keeping power at that time. Or secondly, I didn't desire his keeping power at that time. I wanted to sin. See, we, as Christians, uh, we have the ability to, to say yes to God. We also can say no. Um, so it's either a lack of faith or a lack of desire on our part. But if you believe in God's power and you truly desire to be kept, God will keep you from stumbling today. Over the next hour or however long it is the will of God and it is your faith to look to Him to be kept. So we're talking about the process of sanctification. And that's what we have to remember. Um People want to go on to perfection. They want to say that the Christian can get to that place where they never sin again. Well, yeah, they can in heaven when they see Jesus face to face when he comes again. So, but for here and now, this is a slow process. But little by little, God does enable us to grow in faith and and to, and to have our desires strengthened for holiness. So this is, first of all, the first point, that God is able. We, do not, we cannot lessen the, the import, the impact of that word. Able. He is able. Believe it. Take it to the bank. And secondly, uh, God keeps us from stumbling because of his promise. Uh, some will say that God is able to keep them. But they doubt, they wonder if he's really willing to do so. God, however, is as willing as he is able. Because verse 24, though it is an inscription of praise to God, it's it's a doxology. It's also a promise of what he will do. Winslow said, read the promises, believe them, rest upon them. Read them, believe them, and rest in them. And what is a promise of God? Well, it's a pledge by God of what He will do or will not do. And it's, it's a certain pledge. He never makes a promise that He does not intend to keep. He's not like us uh, at all. Um, and now, you see, we're talking not about God's ability, but His reliability. Not His power, but His trustworthiness. And his faithfulness to his word. And Numbers twenty-three nineteen says, "God is not a man that he should lie, or is not a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it?" So God doesn't go back on his word. We, we do all the time. Uh, we find that people let us down, right? Often people let us down. That's a fact. But God will never let you down. He will not. He cannot lie. can't go back on his word. He's unchangeably faithful and true. Uh, John Gill, in his commentary, writes, he says, he never changes his mind, alters his counsels, purposes and decrees, never varies in his affections to his people. He always loves you the same. He loves you. Nor makes void of his choice of them or covenant with them. Psalm 89, 34, God says, My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that's gone out of my lips. Well, these are things that we need to say. God's word is true. I believe it, and that settles it for me. On the one hand, we seem to have a little difficulty believing in certain promises of God. When God promises to forgive our sins. I think most of us, when we hear, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we believe that He forgives our sins. If we can believe God's promise to forgive our sin, why can't we believe God's promise to keep us from sin? A little harder, I think, for us. But being kept from stumbling, again... Part of God's work of sanctification. And sanctification is two, two parts to it. It's dying more and more to sin and living more and more unto righteousness. Uh, process of growth. In which God gradually keeps us from stumbling. Um, and having been born again, once we receive a new nature, we receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, That process begins. We have a new nature. And that new nature, the Bible calls it a new creation. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Are you a new creation this morning? Uh, Has God made your soul new? Jesus said you must be born again. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven until you have the new birth. But if you do, then this new nature in you, Corinthians says, You're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so your new nature is is capable of growth and development. And it's enabled by God's grace to die to sin and put, put it to death, to resist temptation. And of course, we're not passive in all of this. God's able to keep us from falling, but he uses means. Jesus said, watch and pray that... You may not enter into temptation. When you enter into temptation, you, you you fall. Right? That's what we call falling. And so if we watch and pray, we'll be much less likely to fall. Uh, these things are true. But we're not focusing as much on the means today as on the promise of God when we do use the means. And, and, and even at times apart from the means... Uh, that God will keep us. Remember in this letter that Jude has been talking about the problem of false teachers, their influence in the church. Um, he's capable. God is able and he's promised to keep you from falling for their lies and their errors. Um, Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth so the world and, and 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 false teachers in the church uh, tell so many lies it's like you know it's all we hear isn't it today from our culture and uh, and and these lies have gotten into the church wow they have gotten into the church today but God will keep you from falling for for those lies if you as you look to him but what do we what do we say about those who do fall away from the truth, who do fall away from the faith? Well, the Apostle John says they, they went out from us because they weren't of us. Jude says it's because these are persons who were without the Spirit. Uh, you can be in the church and be without the Spirit. Uh, you can claim to know God and you can even be a teacher, a preacher, and be without the Spirit. But if you have the spirit of God, Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So if God is able to keep you and he's promised to do so. That means he is both willing and able to keep you. Second Corinthians 1, 20 says for all the promises of God in him in Christ, are yes, and in Him, amen. So, do you believe this promise in verse 24 that God will keep you from stumbling? And do you believe in the goodness of God, the faithfulness, and the power of God that that are underneath that promise? Lastly, from verse 24, we're taught that God delivers us Keeps us from falling, presents us faultless, in the end, in God's very presence. In the end, we will be brought to God's presence where there will be a complete end to sin. When Jesus died on the cross, sin was dealt the death blow. But we know that sin still exists. It hasn't been eradicated yet, not in my life. Not in your life, but one day it will be. I said earlier that we are kept from both daily stumbling in sin and from final falling away. And I believe the last half of verse 24 is referring to that promise to keep us from finally falling away and to bring us safely into His glorious presence in heaven. And so not only will God keep you from stumbling in your daily walk, but he's able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So let's think about that for a few minutes. Um, Our present sanctification is incomplete. We know that. But it is preparatory. It it, it is preparation for heaven when we enter the glorious presence of God. If you are not being sanctified, if, if you're not growing in grace dying to sin and and growing in righteousness. Um, If holiness of life has no appeal to you, if you don't desire to do God's will and obey his commands, why would you even think you would want to be in heaven where we already know the angels of God do his will perfectly and the saints of God who go there uh, will be made perfect? In heaven you will only obey the commandments of God. You will never rebel again. Uh, if that doesn't if, if, if you don't want that kind of life you don't want heaven, um, but there you see in, in sanctification now is its is preparing us uh, for heaven for being in the presence of god it's making us see what what being in his presence is really like. it should make us long for his presence because sanctification is a struggle and and we really we really want to be rid of the struggle. And so God is preparing us for that day in which the struggle will come to an end, where we'll be completely freed from sin and perfectly conformed to the image of our Lord, whom we'll see face to face. As 1 John 3 2 says, we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Our catechism, the larger catechism, says that true believers can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And the catechism, the larger catechism, has some rather lengthy answers, but it goes on to say uh, to give reasons why believers will not finally fall from a state of grace. And the list they they give there is, is the unchangeable love of God. His decree and covenant to give us perseverance, our inseparable union with Christ, his continual intercession for us, and the spirit and seed of God abiding in us. And all these are just taken out of Scripture uh, on this list. So true Christians will persevere to the end. Uh, they won't fall away. Indeed, they can't fall away and be lost because God will keep them. Uh, From so from doing so and present them faultless. He will not only keep them, but present them faultless before the presence of his glory. Now, in the presence of God, in the glorious presence of God, there is no sin uh, allowed in his presence. And so if we're presented in glory, that means all our sin will be utterly eradicated. Uh, otherwise, we would not be allowed to be in there. If, if, if we were going to continue to sin, uh, God would not allow us into heaven. But he is going to remove all sin for all time. And remember what Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Then it will be finally and fully completed. That work, that work of sanctifying us, it's carried on gradually throughout our lives. And that can be uh, discouraging because I want, it to, I want it to be a faster pace and I want it to already be perfect. I think that's why some people are attracted to perfectionism, right? We want to be perfect. Um, and and yet, when Jesus returns, it will be completed in an instant It will be perfected, and then we'll stand faultless before our God. Many, many places in God's word that we are told that in Jesus Christ, being united to him by faith, nothing separating us from his love, and that we're secure for eternity and we will persevere to the end. However, some people don't like this doctrine. (laughs) Uh, This is where false teachers come in and and like to twist things and like to say, well, you can't teach uh, the eternal security of the believer or or the the perseverance of the saints because that'll just cause us, that'll cause people to get slack in their Christian life and to take it easy. Well, that's why we, we like to talk about the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints means that God actually preserves them so that they do persevere. And, and and so there is no getting, growing slack and taking it easy if you're persevering. Uh, but God, you see, why you know some people think, well, if if God says it's already done and and, and you know you're going to make it, uh, then that's a disincentive to holiness. But no, that's that's man's thinking. God's thinking is, I want my children to be confident, to know that I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to bring them, not only save them at the beginning, but at the end as well. And so not only will my sins be forgiven today, they'll be, they're forgiven for all eternity and and so on. So God wants to use that. You see, it's the goodness of God. The Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Um. So God uses his goodness, his grace, his promises to keep us as a means to motivate us toward vigorous spiritual growth. So if if it causes you, if it makes, if this doctrine of um, God keeping you and presenting you faultless, if that makes you grow slack in the Christian life, you have not understood what God's word has taught. Now, false teachers will also say. And this is another one that uh, we find is a very prevalent thing, that, that you can lose your salvation. You can be truly saved, genuinely saved, and later, <clears throat> even walk with God through out life, but at the last second, you can sin and be lost. But such an idea is not taught in Scripture. It is, it is heresy. It is a false teaching, yet many churches teach it today. Um, verse 1 of the book of Jude says to those who are called sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ okay if you say that you can be you're, you can lose your salvation then that means that somehow you are questioning Jesus Christ preserving power and I don't think we should do that do you? To say a true believer can fall away and be lost unto the end is to to deny the persevering work, the power and promise of the Lord. God will present us faultless before his presence. And and that's a word that elsewhere in the Bible is used with reference to the sacrifices. It means to be without blemish, uh, to be without spot, like a lamb that was presented for sacrifice in the old covenant had to be without blemish or spot or defect. But Jesus Christ, you see, alone was without sin uh, and without blame. Ultimately, that means that you and I will not stand before God on our own righteousness. Make as much progress as you can in the Christian life. You should. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a command in in 2 Peter you can grow more and become more sanctified than any person that's ever lived on earth besides Christ and yet you will stand faultless before the throne of grace not because of your righteousness but because of Christ alone we will only be able to stand in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ because Christ alone was without sin he alone was blameless in keeping the law and obeying the commandments and doing the will of the Father. He alone had a perfectly pure heart. He alone loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this is what why Jude ends the way he does. He's telling us, look away from yourself. Look full in his wonderful face. Because we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to abide on Jesus, in Jesus remembering That in the end, he is the blameless one. He alone presents us blameless before God because he presents us in himself and in his own righteousness. He took the blame. He was blameless that he might, uh, he, he was made to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So when Christ presents us before the presence of his glory, it will be. Also, with exceeding joy to be brought into the presence of God for eternity, never to be reversed, is the ultimate reason. You see why God chose us in the first place, why Christ died for us, why the spirit called us and why he keeps us is so that one day we'll, we'll see him face to face and be with him Forever. In His very presence. And His presence is characterized by two things. Glory and joy. God's glory is is His majesty, His magnificence, His excellence, His preeminence, His greatness. Uh, And it's seen in verse 25. He is a glorious Savior. And notice the way He puts it. You know, God our Savior. Again, it's a reference to the triune God. Uh, Not only Jesus, but the Father and the Holy Spirit save us. And so his glory has to do with his brightness. It, the, the word itself, glory, means uh, that which has weight, weightiness. Uh, but, you know, the Bible says that in this life, no one can see the fullness of God's glory. No one can see him and live. And and even those who are in the presence of, of the Lord at times, either through a vision or through the presence of Jesus Christ, when they realized they were in the presence of God... Uh, There was no joy there. It was fear, trembling. I'm undone, Isaiah said. Peter said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't want to be in your presence because I know what I am. I'm unworthy to be there. But when we're presented faultless before the throne of God's glorious grace, all that fear disappears. There's only exceeding joy. We can't imagine it right now, but we can look forward to it. So do you know Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior? Have you received Him into your heart by faith? Christ alone can save you from your sins and keep you until the end. And He is willing and He's able to do that. If you call on his name. So come to Christ today. And then trust in his power and his promise to save you and to keep you forever. And then, if you know Christ, your job until he comes is to keep your eyes on the keeper of your soul. Let's pray. Lord, you are... Of God, who is rich in grace, abundant in mercy. And we know that because you sent your only begotten Son into this world to die on the cross, to become sin for us, to be laid dead in the tomb, but then to be raised from the dead, that all who look to Him, all who receive Christ, will have Eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that you would soften the hearts of those who have not yet received Jesus Christ, that today might be the day that they open their hearts. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus says. If anyone opens the door, I will come in. So up with him and he with me. Lord, I pray that you might open the hearts today of those who do not know you, that they might come to know you and be saved. Father, for those who know you, we thank you for your keeping power and your preserving promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let us take our hymnals.